Hello and welcome to episode 175 of the Redbox Report, the weekly movie podcast where we review the latest Blu-rays and DVD releases for Redbox. I'm your host Bob Phelan. I'm your co-host Joel Phelan. And on this episode, we're going to be nice guys and review the nice guys, as well as count down our top five buddy cop movies, which the nice guys is one of them. So how's it going, man? <laughs> pretty good, pretty good. Yeah. Um, fresh off Jungle Book episode, which we recorded two weeks ago, so I think it's only fair that we update the summer, uh, fall box office draft, since yes. there's been a couple releases. Um, Sully, still going strong. It's in the it's in the black now, making money. And uh, Blair Witch also came out for Edgar Shaput, our friend, uh, who is... Winning the box office draft at the moment. Blair Witch had a $5 million budget, wow. which is nothing. And didn't make a lot of money, but it, it's made like 19 or 20 some million dollars, so it's already in a profit. And yeah, uh, so two in, two in, two in the black. That's a good streak, and he still has Star Wars at the end. So I'm Decent reviews for that, too. <laughs> Blair Witch? Yeah. Started off decent and now it's down to like thirty eight percent or thirty six percent. Yeah, I don't know See, what, what happened. I heard like some early stuff, but Yeah, but. I'm actually really surprised about that because I like the team that the director and writer that made it and I don't know, it looks interesting. Just surprising. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so and he's still got the big cleanup hitter coming in at the end with Star Wars, so I think he's the front runner. Right now, we'll see what happens. Anything could happen. You had <clears throat> you had your first release, Snowden. Yeah. Which it got decent reviews, sixty one percent, but didn't make a ton of money. I think it's at fifteen million overall on a forty million dollar budget. Might might get up there. See how it does internationally. Hasn't opened anywhere outside of the U.S. yet, so time will tell. Interesting. And uh had the Magnificent Seven just came out this past weekend for me. And did pretty good. Made thirty five million in its opening weekend on a ninety million dollar budget. So it's got some got some room to go, but I think it'll end up being profitable and it has a I wanna say sixty some sixty three percent rotten tomatoes or something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. So yeah. That's about what you could expect from that kind of movie. I mean, you got Denzel anchoring it. He never flops completely, so. Uh, that was I actually like, read a thing about him being, like, the worst investment. Really? Yeah. I thought I saw something that had, like, seven consecutive opening weekends over $20 million or something. But uh, I guess I none of them are huge, I guess. But I think it, it would... It was a very specific thing they were using, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. I guess how much an actor's return per capita. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure his salary is pretty high for sure, and uh, rightfully so. The guy's awesome, but I I always thought like he's one of the best actors that is not in that many great movies nowadays. Yeah, I mean, early in his career, he was in like some pretty darn good movies, but especially lately, he's like always good, always giving it his all. Being Denzel, but then the movies aren't very great. Yeah, average or best. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. And, uh, yeah, so I guess stats, anyway, you could twist it any which way to make it look like something. 
So yeah. I guess if you're pro Denzel, you say, hey, seven in a row, he's made over this much. But then you're like, but he hasn't made it any also, over 50. It could have been a list that was like top paid actors or something like that. Yeah. That's returns aren't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to checking out uh, all the movies we mentioned so far, even though some of them aren't getting great reviews. So they're all interesting to me. So we'll check them yeah. out at a future date and we'll keep you updated on the fall box office draft. Well, also you can stay tuned to the redboxreport.com where every Monday I update, I do an update for the draft. And, uh, yeah, so I think I'm in last place because of the negatives. When a movie just opens up, it takes a hit with the budget and all that. So yeah, plenty of time to go, but let's get into the nice guys. The, one of my most anticipated summer movies of 2016 sitting at a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. You selected it in the summer box office draft. Terrible decision, but it does yeah. give you some uh, some credibility as far as quality, at least. That's right. It's not all about winning. <laughs> yeah. It's not about the money. <laughs> you are going for a different goal. Yeah. Just to have the best movies. Which, <laughs> Independence Resurgence, Independence Day Resurgence did you no favors there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what were your expectations coming into this one? Um, I mean, they were kind of mild. It was a movie, I think we watched the trailer for it, yeah. and I thought it looked good. I think we were actually laughing. Um, but I I wasn't, like, through the roof or anything about this, but I was ex- excited about seeing it. Yeah, and we should eventually get back to doing those prejudgment days. I kind of miss doing that, but, um, yeah, I remember we saw the trailer. I was... I've was anticipating it like you said it wasn't like one that i was giddy with excitement for when it was yeah, it wasn't up. a must see but but it looked good and yeah. it, it was a kind of movie that you don't see very often nowadays an original movie just like a mid uh budget uh, action r-rated action comedy you know and you don't really see that very often and shane black has a good pedigree love ryan gosling russell crowe's good in some roles. I mean, he's like hit or miss, but he can be very good. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I went, I went and saw it actually in the movie theaters when it first came out in May because my wife had a spa day, and I was like, I'm going to go to the movies. And this was what was just opening, so I checked it out. And I liked it quite a bit. Borderline, yeah. borderline loved it. How about you? I... Really enjoyed it. I don't think I liked it as much as most people did. Really? Yeah. Which surprises me because I was like really, really looking forward to the movie. Yeah. What about, uh, all right, I guess we should set up what is it about. It is like, it is a buddy cop movie, which is why we're doing that top five, but it doesn't start out that way. It's, it's about Ryan Gosling, who's a private dick, private detective, um, with the drinking problem. And he's taking these small cases, I guess, to make ends meet. He (laughs) takes care of his daughter, I guess, his wife and the mother of his child. His daughter is deceased. And Russell Crowe gets involved when someone hires him to stop Ryan Gosling from following them or something like that. And then they end up on the same case. And and then it turns into like a buddy cop uh, comedy action movie and basically i guess 
they finally what they do get hired to to do is track down a missing girl and it's this whole convoluted plot line that isn't exactly like super important it's more about just setting them up for their little uh relationship and the stuff that goes on between them and all that stuff yeah it's it's definitely a movie it's a little bit more about the journey than yeah it's about the destination yeah i I wasn't too i had a hard time following exactly all the twists and turns of the plot and i didn't even really care all that much because yeah i just wanted to hear them like bicker and yeah (laughs) it's i thought it was pretty darn funny as far as just the interactions between the two of them. I mean, you saw a lot of it in the trailer, but uh, they really work well together. I'd like to see them work together again, or a sequel or something like that. Yeah, that's one minor gripe I have. Is, um, I mean, they're lucky it's such a good, as good of a movie as it is, because the trailer could have kind of ruined it. Yeah, yeah, like one of the best scenes is the bathroom door, or when he's in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Ryan Gosling, surprisingly good at the comedy and the physical comedy and all that. Like, you could think by just watching him act, like, he could be a guy that takes himself too seriously. But he definitely gives it his all when it comes to the comedy as far as the serious stuff as well. Yeah, and uh, the character choices are interesting because Ryan Gosling has a license, but he's kind of... A fuck up. Unambitious (laughs) and, yeah... A fuck up, and Russell Crowe is definitely kind of like a meathead or whatever, but he's definitely like more qualified. Yeah, and he's not like the licensed. <laughs> and as far as like the casting goes, you would expect Russell Crowe to play the like rough alcoholic, you know, the guy with the issues, and then Ryan Gosling to play the more straight edged character. Yeah, so that's interesting. It's kind of like um when Pineapple Express first came out. Everyone was kind of like, why is uh, James Franco being the stoner? Yeah, and Seth Rogen's like the... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, I think great performances by both Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. Actually, speaking of maybe there will be a sequel one day, which I doubt it with the little bit of money it made, but we've talked about it before how some movies like i'm trying to think of an example maybe like what we did in the shadows like would be better as like hbo series or something like that i think the nice guys is like perfect nominee for something like that oh that would be good you know it could have a different little mission each each episode or even have a season-long thing for over multiple seasons that would have been awesome but as is i thought the script was really good i thought you know, the lines were good. The dialogue was believable. And actually, I thought Ryan Gosling's daughter, played by Angry Rice, or Angry, however you pronounce it, she did actually way better than I would expect a child actress to play. Yeah, especially for, like, the subject matter. Yeah. Not that it's that crazy, but... Yeah. So. Yeah, because there's that one point she sneaks into their car as they go to investigate a porn party or like a porn <laughs> party with a, but just a bunch of porn stars and a release date of a new porn or something like that yeah and she sneaks in and she's watching one with the the actress how do you think i'm doing or i forget what she said but <laughs> it was a little out there but yeah she did good job and uh yeah i thought a lot of the side characters were good 
but I was always just waiting to go back for uh, the main two. Yeah. Most of the time. What did you think of the villain of the movie? Blueface, I believe is his name. He's like a really tightly wound up, weirdo, scary kind of guy. Yeah. See, it's been so long since I watched this movie. I'm a little bit foggy on it. I could, like, like you were saying before, like I kind of got lost a little bit in the plot because I just sort of didn't care anymore. Like I just wanted to see. I don't know. You see, I I thought he was okay. I liked where it ended up going at the end of his his reign. Well, no spoilers, but. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how to talk about it without spoiling it, but I liked the way that ended his little portion of the plot. And I thought that Amelia, the girl that they're looking for, she's played by the actress who was from HBO's The Leftovers, like one of the best shows going right now. Uh, I would never forget about it. And, uh, <laughs> and I thought she... <laughs> She did a pretty good job. Um, she's better in The Leftovers, but she didn't really have a ton to work with here. But I thought she did enough with the role that she was given. And her mom is played by Kim Basinger. And her character I was not as much of a fan of. One of the weaker parts of the movie. Just had some really stiff acting and didn't quite fully understand what all the character motivations there. But yeah, there are worse things in the world. So, yeah, so I guess there's not a whole lot of just, like, plot details to get into, but I thought that there's a lot of, like, film noir elements as well as to go along with the buddy cop stuff, and there's definitely different things going on. Like, all the kids in the movie seemed way more grown up than they should be. Like, even kids on the, like, the... They just have, like, small interactions with. It's actually, like, one of the funnier parts of the movie. It's just, like, they're shit-talking these kids back and forth. Yeah, it kind of, it sort of plays them as a little more inept than they are. Yeah, it's like the adults are a little dumber than they should be, and the kids are smarter than they should be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think this movie, if you're going to watch it, you're watching it kind of for the texture and feel of the time, and the humor between those oh, two. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, I and think, then the plot is really just kind of to put some action-y stuff in. Yeah, and there's there's some decent action. I think there's, like, some shocking moments of violence. Like, there's a scene where there, Russell Crowe and a guy are wrestling over a gun, and, like, the gun goes off, and it blatantly kills the person across, like, the hall. Yeah. It's like, whoa, where did that come from? You're like laughing one second. Next thing you know, people, Ryan Gosling and and uh, Paul David, I think that's not it. Uh, the black guy who's in a million things. Uh, he, they're falling out of a window. Ryan Gosling falls into the pool. Other guy splatters bloodily onto the concrete. Like, <laughs> it's definitely. Yeah, I, I like uh, when movies use this kind of gore. Like the. Uh... Yeah. Like the mall cop one or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. Uh, Observe and report. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like using violence as, as humorously as possible, but if you took it in a different context, it would not be funny whatsoever. Yeah. 
And, so they uh, used the shock as sort of the punchline. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, if you're going into this movie, you got to go in with the mindset of it's comedy first. And, you know, like don't get caught up in the plot and the details because I think actually I didn't get a chance to rewatch the movie. I really wanted to, but it's just it's rated R and I didn't find an opportunity to do so. But yeah, I, I feel the same way. I wanted to rewatch it. Yeah, but. I would have liked to rewatch it because I think it will play better going in knowing like what kind of movie you're in for exactly. Might even be a better movie with a little bit of age. To be honest with you. Yeah, I could definitely see it being a movie that's like plays on HBO or or FX or something like that, and becomes like a lot of people's just go-to background like yeah, type of thing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely has good re- replay value, I would say. Um, yeah, I guess the whole alcoholism angle is interesting. Like, Russell Crowe's character is a recovering alcoholic while Gosling is deep in it. And, I mean, not a ton to say about it, except that I like the little twist at the very end. I don't want to give it away, but it's a really nice touch, which is unusual to most movies. And, yeah, I mean, I think being a single dad is probably really hard. And I like the whole relationship there. And just, like, it kind of gets at the difficulties without ever taking it too seriously. Yeah, uh, I'm super glad this movie was made. Yeah, no doubt about it. Not a lot of people are willing to do the same thing, but do it differently. People are so worried, like the remake and the culture that's kind of grown yeah. out of film. Yeah, I wish it would have done better just to encourage more, you know. Yeah. I don't think... But I don't know, sometimes the spark doesn't... The things doesn't make a ton of money, but... True, as long as people love it and the word gets around, you know. Yeah, uh, what I guess before we wrap it up, what was your favorite scene or part of the movie? Oh, let's see. Um, I guess I could go real quick while you okay. think about it. I, I definitely like the whole the whole part at the party, the porn party, because <laughs> I just love how Ryan Gosling. He's trying so hard to take this seriously. And he gets drunker and drunker as the night goes on. And at some point he's swimming with like the models that are pretending to be mermaids. And he's like, oh, this is, it's crazy. And as, he, as the night goes on, he just gets more and more ridiculous. And Russell Crowe's frustration with him and everything else is pretty hilarious. To be honest, uh, my favorite part—it's a little bit cliche because I think a lot of them are in the trailers. But Russell Crowe's interactions with his daughter. Oh yeah, that's pretty good like, too. Just all the little small talks that they have, and yeah. it's usually interrupted by Ryan Gosling being "Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah." But the best example is like the first one in the diner or whatever when she's asking him if he hurts people for money or whatever. She mentions like a girl she goes to school with. Oh yeah. Like how much money you got? Thirty bucks. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good moments there with that. And um yeah, I mean there's a lot of good stuff, but it's not very interesting podcasting to just sit here and list off, you know, your favorite lines or something like that. 
But certainly a great movie. I guess one other thing is like the movie opens with the death of Misty Mountains, the porn star, which great porn star name, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Misty Mountains. And uh, has a kid looking at her picture in a porn room, in his dad's porn room mag. She crashes her car into his backyard. He goes out and she's like splayed out, dead, with, but naked in the same exact pose as the magazine. And, oh, yeah. I mean, that was a interesting way to kick off the movie. For sure. Yeah. But, yeah. I'm really looking forward to watching again. I'll probably I'll try to check it back in on uh, what else we watched in down the road if I ever do. But for now, I give it a eight and a half out of ten. Oh, well, I give it a um, a solid seven and a half. All right, yeah. I definitely recommend watching it. For sure, definitely worth checking out, especially as bad as the summer was with the quality of movies that came out. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it has been seen them a all, pretty but... solid couple of years. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's do our top five buddy cop movies then. I have a all feeling right. this isn't making your list. But, <laughs> but what do you feel like about buddy cop movies in general? Are you a fan or, you know, how you feel about the whole thing? I mean, I like these movies. They're not like uh, anything I look out for in particularly, but... It's a solid genre. I mean, it's it's usually contrasting characters, so it's kind of got a little bit for everybody. Comedy, action, pretty girls, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the, the problem for me is, I mean, there's definitely plenty of great buddy cop movies. And I do like these kind of movies, but usually a buddy cop movie is an action comedy, which I think is one of the hardest type of movies to make because you have to balance both of them. And usually it's either good comedy, bad action, or good action and bad comedy. And it kind of dis- like uh, distills the water or whatever and kind of yeah. brings everything down to a certain level. But uh, when it works, it's great. And I, actually, I have some picks in here that aren't action comedies. So yeah, well, one of mine definitely isn't. So yeah, I mean, I'll start it off number five just because it's the nice guys, and uh, you know, don't have to go into it because we just did. So yeah, that's yeah. my number five. It's an honorable mention for me. Uh, more so not on the list just because it was the movie we're reviewing. Yeah, and I yeah. knew enough for this list, so yeah, I could have left it off, but you know, I always bring twenty honorable mentions, so. I'll be right. <laughs> What's your number five? My number five is maybe slightly controversial, but it's Rush Hour. All right, yeah. I, I mean, love this movie. The first one's up, good. Especially. So, yeah, definitely the first one. I mean, I I watched the second one. It's it's not the best movie. I'm more, Did you see more the of third a guilty one? pleasure. Huh? Did you see the third one? There was a third one? I'm pretty sure, wasn't there? I could be I wrong, know. but I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> I thought that it was like the first and second one came out like not too far from each other, and then a few years ago, a third one came out. I could I have dreamt that. it. It's yeah. actually that. Yeah, it sounds right. I don't think I've seen it though. <laughs> we should review it on the next episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know you like that, love that movie. I remember you would watch it a lot when you, we were younger. 
Yeah, I like Chris Tucker a lot. He's a uh, he's in one of my favorite movies ever, Friday. And I always liked his comedy. It, he kind of like fell right off the map, though, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's popped up in Silver Linings Playbook for a little oh, bit. Yeah. But yeah, I'd like I to see know. him in more stuff. Yeah, What's sure. the one line? Never touch a black man's radio. Or that, yeah, that's yeah. the one thing I remember. Jackie from that Chan movie. Uh, changes the radio to the Beach Boys. Beach Boys, <laughs> good American music. <laughs> yeah. Like, Hell no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good stuff. There's a lot of good lines, like uh, Chris Tucker trying to tell him how to say y'all. <laughs> yeah, Jackie Chan's a lot of fun. He's kind of fell off the map too. It, I like Jackie. He's kind of underrated. I, I guess way. he kind of is the same thing every time, so kind of probably worth in. But when he was first like coming to America, like no, that's a Eddie Murphy movie. But when he was first <laughs> like started showing up in American movies, like it was definitely unique. And it's kind of funny that he was like an action guy, and he kind of went to being the funny guy. Yeah, because he was a guy who was just known for doing like all his own stunts, and then he comes here and he's just like a funny sidekick and everything. Don't get me wrong; there's probably plenty of movies that he's probably more of an action guy that I haven't seen. But. Oh yeah, I saw The Legend of the Drunken Master in theaters, and that was awesome. Yeah, I've heard that movie's really good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. But my number four is a classic. It's Men in Black. You got J. You got K. I mean, they're not technically cops, but, I mean, they are some kind of uh, force that is yeah, teaming I, I together. Yeah, I allow that one, for sure. Joel allows it. I allow it. I'll allow it's it. It's a rule. Yeah, it's in. It is law. <laughs> and it has been spoken. Yeah, so, obviously, great movie. The first one, anyway. The second one, not very good. Third one was better than expected, but still couldn't touch the first one's quality, but... Just I love the interaction between Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. You got the curmudgeonly old man and the young, cool, hip guy. So great dynamic there. Also, you got veteran guy who's been doing it forever and is getting ready to retire with a brand new rookie who's just taking everything in for the first time, just like the audience is. And, uh, of course, I love Vincent D'Onofrio as the villain who just wants some sugar. Yeah. And uh yeah, it's a great movie right in the center of our childhood growing up. Perfect time it came out, so Yeah, Will Smith that's kind of the for. height of his Well, at least but when he became like a superstar. Yeah, definitely like fame. coming off Fresh Prince, this is when he he became movie guy instead of just and, TV uh, guy. Independence Day he'd already made. Yeah, yeah. He was the man. Yeah, he had a couple of real big songs, too, that are, like, kind of goofy to, like, look back on. <laughs> Getting jiggy with it, na-na-na-na-na-na. Yeah. <laughs> What's your number four? That's a great pick, though. I didn't even think of it. Tip of the cap. My number four is the Lethal Weapon movies. Mostly because I couldn't tell you what Lethal Weapon 1 or 2 or, well, it I'm sure there was a third one. Like, they all kind of meld together for me. There's been four of them. Four? Yeah. yeah. yeah that's probably right. And a TV show just started. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't look Oh, uh, I've seen the commercials for that. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, Lethal Weapon series is a lot of fun. And I know what you mean. Like, it's hard to tell sometimes between, was that three or four? Was that two or three? One? Yeah, it's kind of how I feel with the Rocky movies because, like, I like those movies, but I don't like that those movies like other people. Yeah. So it's I couldn't tell you the difference between Rocky three and four, whatever. Yeah, I'm with you. My number three is another one that definitely it's borderline buddy cop because they're not exactly buddies, but it's Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke in Training Day. Also on my list. All right, yeah, they're both cops, and I mean they're friendly at least in the beginning. Uh, again, yeah, it's definitely it's just a different take. Yeah, it's definitely much. I mean, very different, but but still like Men in Black. It's uh, the veteran who's been around a block training a brain, brand new guy. So again, it's like as Ethan Hawke is taking in everything for the first time. So are we? We're getting to know the neighborhood, all the players, and the roles everyone is playing in. And I think that's always a smart way to go with that kind of thing. Oh yeah, just. There's so many elements to it, too. It's because he is getting trained. He's kind of getting taken advantage of a little bit. Yeah, and just, yeah, great interactions. Denzel, we said, or I said, he's a great actor who's not always in great movies, but Training Day is certainly one of the greats, probably one of his best. Yeah. And he's amazing, and it deserved the Oscar. Because uh, he doesn't play a villain a lot, but when he does, he's definitely... Proven that he can do it very effectively. Yeah, he, it's actually maybe something he should be typecast as a little bit more. But. Yeah, I like to see him take more of that. But hey, Ethan Hawke and Denzel Washington both in a Magnificent Seven. So well, if you want to relive Training Day, go to the movies and support my pick in the fall box office draft. I want to see it, but I'll never give you a dollar. <laughs> That's the only reason you're going to steal that shit. <laughs> <laughs> What's your number three? My number three is Bad Boys. Bad Boys. Uh, um, honorable mention for me. I put number two because I can't re- remember number one, even though I probably have seen it. But um, I think this is one of those buddy cop movies that's it does have humor in it, but it's balanced more towards action. And I yeah. Something, uh, I don't know, a lot of people do like the Bad Boys movies, but it's kind of like a guilty pleasure to me. It's like Fast and the Furious. Yeah, I'm with you. You know? They're fun, but they're not exactly great. (laughs) But they're a good time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So my number two is Lethal Weapon, the first one. I think... I agree with you as they're hard to discern after the first one, but I think the first one stands up on his own uh, as just a great action comedy. Mel Gibson and um, Dan, not yeah, Daniel, Danny, Danny Glover. Glover. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say Daniel Glover. Very proper. Uh, <laughs> yeah, great duo there. And, um, hey, Mel Gibson, he's, he's making a comeback. Let's bring, let's get Lethal Weapon 5 going. Oh man, here to here first. <laughs> All right, my number two is Training Day, which we talked about. Fair enough. Four. Yeah. Well, my number one, um, it could be your number one, but I don't know. I'm, I won't call it. I could see it though. It's uh, 
Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman in the David Fincher classic Seven. Oh, you know what? I didn't even think about this movie. Yeah, I mean, again, it's very. Here we go again. It's a young, you know, cocky young Brad Pitt, fresh on the scene, and Morgan Freeman, old Morgan Freeman, who he's been old for forty years. He was born. <laughs> yeah. He's was born old, always playing old character, even when he was twenty. Uh, as the 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 uh, veteran of the two, and great, great movie, very twisted, dark, but yeah. incredibly well made. Did not did Kevin Spacey win any awards for this? I'm not sure, but if he did, he deserved it. I mean, he was great as a villain. I I could be 100 percent wrong with this, but I thought I read or saw somewhere that it's like the. Uh... Someone the least amount of screen time for someone that won a certain award. Huh. I mean, hey, the Oscars do love giving villains the best supporting uh, actor now uh, Oscars from time to time. So I, I wouldn't be su- surprised. Yeah, I, I wouldn't uh, argue though. He's amazing. And yeah, he is. That's a that's a great pick. I'm still going to go with my number one, but Die Hard. All right, Die Hard. The second one, particularly with the buddy cop. Or the third one. Is it the third one that's got uh, Samuel Jackson? Yeah, third one. Oh, okay. That's honorable mention for me. Because that's with a vengeance then, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a, I, I knew it was with a vengeance, but I was thinking that was the second one for some you reason. You knew he died hard with a vengeance, but <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, just Die Hard is... When you think of those like eighties, nineties action movies, that's pretty much the movie you think, or series of movies, or at least I think they uh, inspired a lot of the crap that came out after it. Yeah, oh yeah, and but uh, it's iconic, none of the least. Love the combination of Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson, and I always think it's interesting that this was a script called Simon Says that was supposed to be its own original film and they turned it into the third installment of the Die Hard franchise. Huh. And it works perfectly. Yeah. And I don't something about John McLean, he's just something about the era kinda reminds me a little bit I I'm sure maybe Duke Nukem's kind of based off of him a little bit, but Yeah, classic. I mean uh, that first movie's just Macho incredible. Man, one liner. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Death machine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to steal something from a podcast I listen to, Doughboys, and say, if you are team me, team Bob, tweet at us, hashtag 7heaven. And if you are team Joel, tweet at us, hashtag uh, vengeance is Joel's. <laughs> I got nothing on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, tweet at us at... The Red Box Report, and let us know which pick you liked best. All right. All right. So, have you been watching anything else lately? The one thing that I did watch, which was tough because there's so many damn different versions, they put out uh, teasers for the Ghost in the Shell movie. Oh, yeah, like 10-second clips or something. Yeah, so I went and watched Ghost in the Shell. Okay. The anime? Yeah. So, 
I think this originally came out in like 95, somewhere around that. 94, something like that. Yeah, I definitely so know they I've seen have images. remade this like 45 freaking times. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe it was like two or three or something. But Same difference. What a lot of animes do is rather than having like continuous stories or whatever, they'll kind of retell the same story differently. So, there is, like, two or three versions of Ghost in the Shell, like the original movie, and then there's a manga, which is, like, their comics, and a TV show. And I saw, like, the first three episodes of the TV show, and it seems to be, like, pretty in line with the movies, but I guess it just showed more over time. So, anyway, what I uh, made it actually through was the original one. Okay. And how was it? Um, it it doesn't hold up with time as much as I thought it did, but at the same time, you can see how influential it was. This this show or this movie, like, kind of like inspired like The Matrix. So, it's sort of the birth of modern science fiction in that way where it's like about AI and what is conscious consciousness conscious, <laughs> fuck I can't say that word <laughs> consciousness there you go and what is not um do you know anything about it not really I just remember I know I've seen images like just over the years I never seen the movie I don't even know exactly. I always thought it was like more R-rated. Is that the case? Yeah. Okay. And that's the case for a lot of these anime movies. Like Akira is in the same vein, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I've seen Akira. That was awesome. But there's definitely nudity and um, violence, for that matter. Although yeah. the violence in Ghost in the Shell in particular is kind of dumbed down because... It's sort of like a time where people get cybernetic upgrades to the point where it's like they're not really like human-human anymore. Yeah. But um, it's about, I think they're called Section 9, which is like a, a level of, they're like CIA. Everyone's like pretty much has cybernetic upgrades at this point. And it's about a special forces task trying to task force that tries to tiptoe their way through partially through politics um to catch this hacker called the puppet master okay keeps like hacking people and inserting memories into their brains so that they basically do whatever he wants now and they have like a so like one person thinks like their families in danger or something so they're doing it and he was never married or um but how hmm, how's how are they going to do this with the live action how how are the clips i didn't watch them you think it looks good oh sorry my <laughs> my mic <my> disconnected <laughs> it's all good Gave you plenty of time to think. So, um, 
how they even do it in the show is they're just they're like Navy SEAL special forces type people and they're enhanced by cybernetics but the hacking and all that stuff it's like it's very much like the Matrix where they have like a plug in the back of their neck okay and they like physically plug in and jump between sometimes people's minds it's a one of the minor the drawbacks of the show is I'm sure it was cool at, in the 90s like it's when they first really put a lot of like detail into the storylines like you know really paint a backstory they there's a lot of like like when they argue and stuff with the officials and stuff they'll talk about article this and article that and special task force uh, there's a lot of like techno babble speak mm-hmm. doesn't really make much sense to you which is for better I don't know if you so, go either way I guess what if, about, I guess if it didn't have it it would be kind of dull but what about the controversy that they cast Scarlett Johansson as I don't think Asian character it should be that big of a deal because first off she is a robot. Okay. Um, I think that uh, I'm skimming through a little bit. I think what the deal is is most people are like people that got upgraded and their brain is like actually like transferred into this thing. But I think the two main agents are like creations, like gotcha. not originally human or something like that. Yeah. So theoretically, she could be whatever she wanted. That and her body type is really more like Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> well, anime, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it is that era of anime where women are just whatever. But I don't <laughs> know. Voluptuous. Um, I just feel like the way anime is drawn is because it's in Japan. I'm sure people assume. Most of the characters are Japanese, but they're drawn in a way that's like almost would be appealing to Western audiences as well. Mm-hmm. Whether I don't know how much thought they put. Her name is kind of like a Japanese sounding and whatnot, but just seems like a great opportunity to give an Asian actress like a really good role. Because I mean, they're not giving them to anything that originally was not Asian, you know. So what, uh, you know. Like yeah, I, I could have but seen. Then a you d- have the argument of you want the best person for that particular character. I would. Love I to thought see... she was a great choice because she really does. She kind of looks like her, like even in her facial structure, for the most part. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know anything about the anime or what the movie's going to be like, but I know that I like. I want to see more of the actress Duna Bay, Duna Bay, who was in Cloud Atlas and some other movie I've seen and she's was great in both of them so it does know. have um he's a pretty famous Japanese actor but he's the guy he's in Battle Royale and I know he's in a couple other pretty big movies from there he plays the uh the main director guy which is pretty cool you think this could work it looks cool yeah I guess it could be one of those movies that just stylistically might be worth, you know what I mean. Yeah. But 
I don't know. Uh, from what I heard, the story is kind of a combination of all of them. So there are parts from the comic, and parts from the TV show, and parts from the movie. Hmm. Which I'm interested to be 100% honest, like, in, at least in the original one, for the girl to use her cloaking thing properly, like, she just had to take her clothes off. Yeah, I mean, that like, kinda... and that's a big part of the story, at least in the original. I think they tune that down when they do the remakes later on. But yeah, I doubt that uh, <laughs> the live action version will be rated R. Yeah, I don't know. It's it. I'm really. I'm just more excited about this because if this does halfway well, it could kind of open up the floodgates for anime like Marvel did. Well, the what about? Death Note coming into Netflix uh, next year. I heard something about this. I haven't seen any. Did they give like a teaser or anything like that? Just an interview. Because it's the same guys that made Blair Witch. And Oh, really? Yeah, which, I mean, forget the bad reviews for Blair Witch, even if the movie's bad. I know these guys can do good work, so I'm definitely interested. But they're saying, like, there's no restrictions with Netflix, so they're going to go hardcore R with... Uh, Oh, that's cool. Nudity, I've never blood, seen Death Note, but no, by reputation, I guess. Yeah, I know. I've there's only like ten animes I've heard of, and that's one of them. So, and like, uh, also the show Preacher kind of gives me hope because that's sort of in the same style of what even a little bit more of the wackier animes are. Yeah, that's like, true. There's usually weird elements in anime, but they're usually pretty grounded in what it's actually about you know yeah. what i mean yeah because they might be running around finding crystal or whatever the, the hell they're doing but there's usually a more human element to the story yeah for sure but there's so much in sci-fi and stuff that anime has to offer yeah they do a lot of things well they do a lot of things with dialogue better than i think that our cultures cartoons and comics do they're definitely more fleshed out characters and but it's a li- it's also different so you can't really compare the two directly yeah it's a hard i feel like it's a hard style to condense down to live action real world like you need a high budget to really do it justice i'm imagining yeah. so we'll see um, i mean hey anything you can pull great stories from i'm, I'm interested so yeah, we'll the, the eventuality is I want Cowboy Bebop to be me. I know you do. <laughs> Pacific Rim didn't help that. No. I've never <laughs> heard of anything about Pacific Rim, though. So. You never saw it? No. Wow. Well, I guess I did. I, we sort of reviewed it, I think. I don't know. That was a lot. I remember watching at least some of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's all right, I guess. Uh, that doesn't help a gun to movie be made. But. Yeah. Oh, wait. Cowboy Bebop is not Gundam. Okay. Yeah, Cowboy Bebop is about bounty hunters in the space era, I guess. Okay. But it's like a, I guess they call it like a space western. I'm getting them mixed up now. (laughs) Cowboy Bebop is like incredible on its own. Okay. Definitely one of the best things ever made. I guess. And maybe the best soundtrack (laughs) ever made for a TV show. Cool, cool. Well, I guess 
Uh, I'll talk about some of the TV I've watched recently. There's still more stuff premiering and more stuff going off. Uh, American Horror Story started its sixth season. Yeah, I heard uh, Brooks talking about this. And they kept it a mystery up until the the actually the moment it premiered. So no one knew what the season was going to be about. But it ends so what up, is it? ends up being something very different than what they usually do. Usually it's like, you know, the last one was Hotel and then Freak Show and like these big themes where they'll just throw as much things as possible at the wall and hope that a couple of them stick. And it's usually like really freaky, creepy, and cool in, like, the first couple episodes, and then very quickly just becomes too much, at least for me. I'm always, like, interested at first, then it wears thin quickly, and then I quit the season, like, halfway. <laughs> but I always give it a shot. And uh, this one is American Horror Story Roanoke, or My Roanoke Story, or something like that. And it's really cool because... I mean, it's very possible that it's going to be the same thing where I think it's cool now and in, in a month. Roanoke, like Virginia? <laughs> I think so, yeah. It's like one of these shows like I Survived or, you know, one of these ID shows where they'll have a person talking about their experience and then flash to a depiction of it. So it's like you have the actor being interviewed on that style of thing and then flash to what they're actually talking about and it's different actors playing them like a depiction of what they're saying so you got Cuba Gooding Jr. is the flashback version of this main of the main guy and then um what's her face the one that just won the Emmy who played Marsha Clark or American Crime Story she's she's the uh the woman his wife and Basically, it's like something. They lost the baby. She lost the baby, and they moved back to Roanoke to just get stuff together. And then all this creepy stuff starts to happen. But it's just cool the way it's set up, and it doesn't seem like it's too much all at once, like it usually is. So I'm definitely intrigued. It's different. I never seen a show with like someone acting and then a different actor portraying that actor. You know, weird stuff. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, but it's pretty cool because Sam loves I Survived and that kind of stuff, so it's right up her alley. It's cool. Yeah, I know a lot of people really love the show. It's just not my cup of tea, so I don't even throw my head in, you know. You're no horror story. Yeah, just doesn't click. Yeah, I like things with horror elements, but I usually don't like horror movies. Yeah, I hear you. I get that. And uh, I also watched the first two episodes of a new Netflix show called Easy. Have you seen this? No. This is from... It's like an eight-episode season or series from the director Joe Swanberg, who's done like many indie movies like Drinking Buddies and... Happy Christmas. A guy I, I like from what I've only seen like a handful of his stuff, but I've liked it. It's always low key, very realistic type stuff. And this is like a a thing where it's eight twenty five minute episodes and each episode is like the story of a someone's or a couple's love life or sex life and just 
the first episode is like a husband and wife who she works, he stays at home, and their sex life is struggling, and it kind of just goes through that. And then the second episode was a younger girl and all this stuff. But it's very much in the same way his movies are, down-to-earth, subtle, realistic stuff. And it's okay. It's good. It's not like anything I would say. Make sure you rush out and see this, but it's got good, yeah. good acting, good actors, interesting stories. Uh, the first one especially, I I found some truth to what was going on. And um, yeah, it's pretty good. I'll probably finish it out because it's only half an hour episode, so it's not hard. It's easy. Yeah. Easy. That's the name of the show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we also watched... Did you see that CBS did a John Benet Ramsey like two night documentary series? Oh, I think I heard something about it, but uh, I didn't see it. I mean, it's it wasn't great. It wasn't like it was super well made, but Sam is really into the true crime type stuff, and she wanted to watch it, so we did. And I I swear to God, before the first episode even started, I'm like, I don't understand, like. It was the brother, right? It wasn't it the girl's brother that did it? Because I don't know if, like, I heard I that. I was I, I thought, I don't know if I heard that sto- theory somewhere and it just happened to be what they came to the conclusion of at the end or if I had a premonition. But <laughs> that, <laughs> at the end of the thing, it's like, oh, my God, we think it was the brother. And I'm like, I thought this for years. What's going on? I don't know. Was, I just remember when I would go to the grocery store, it would be on every magazine for like, for like five years, dude. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know. It was a big thing. I remember like my mom talking about it all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't know, there's only so many things that it could have been because clearly it was something fishy going on. But anyway, I mean, I, I don't know. I wish... That it was better made. It just seemed like they kept a lot of stuff seemed scripted, like they were, like they came up with a revelation, but it seemed like too much, like uh, milking it for the for the camera, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like like a lot of the History Channel stuff became to be like they would leave you on a cliff, go to a. a commercial and when they come back from the commercial they recap the entire show so you end up watching the same show like three or four times <laughs> okay dragon ball z yeah right <laughs> but it's like even stuff like we're enhancing the quality of this call to hear finally hear what was said in the background all these years later it's like there's no way that that hasn't been done by in 20 years yeah like come on i don't know I wasn't a huge fan, but Sam is a sucker for that stuff. She liked it. Yeah. Um, Big Brother ended. The finale was this past week. And my boy, <laughs> Paul, was in the final two. He made it all the way to the final two. This is the guy I was, like, clinging all my hopes into because I didn't really like many people this season, but he was awesome and very entertaining. And gets to the final two. And loses by one vote. Jeez. Pissed. So, yeah, I don't know. It was a decent ending to a decent season. 
I don't know. I'm moving. Just say it. It was rigged. It's bullshit. It's just <laughs> <laughs> no. At least the best two people got to the end, which is not always the case. And I'm sure he'll be back in a future season. So I mean, he was he had an impact. So he'll be back. He'll he'll be all right. At least hopefully I'll get to hear him on some podcasts talking about it. But it was the first time ever Nicole won the returning player, and it's the first time ever in 18 seasons that a guy and a girl were in the final two, and the girl beat the guy. First time in the show's history. Hmm. There's been female winners, but it was always two females in the final two when that happened prior. But season 18 is over, and at the time of this recording, it hasn't started yet, but this Wednesday... Big Brother Over the Top premieres. It's the first time ever the show will be on CBS All Access for a 10-week season. Or no, yeah, 10-week season, 70 days, a little bit of a shorter season, online only. It's a little bit different. They're going to show everything on the live feeds, the diary rooms, the competitions, Hmm. and somehow fans can vote and be involved. And... Uh, yeah, it's. Yeah, I, I'm always up for more Big Brother. Are you kidding me? Yeah. The, the prize is cut in half. It's only two hundred fifty thousand, but the cast was released today, and it seems like another Big Brother cast. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Very cool. You're super interested. No, <laughs> I know. Oh no, I know how you are, <laughs> Big Brother. I don't know why you would bring it up, but. I feel like I have to. It's yeah, probably it's a genre like, we don't cover normally. Yeah, it's like so. my favorite shit. This Big Brother and Survivor, which I'm about to talk about to premiere, probably my favorite shows. I wish I knew more people in real life that were as into it as I was. <laughs> it's just not the case. Uh, yeah, so Survivor premiered as well, same night as Big Brother ended, season 33 of Survivor. It's Gen X versus Millennials. Team Millennials all the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, it's just another season of Survivor. It was a decent premiere. Every season's great in their own way, some better than others. It's way too early to tell how this one's going to be, but I guess the big thing was that there was a cyclone two days into filming the season, and they had to like get them off the island for the night. Really, and keep them in a room, well until it passed, and then they went back to their beaches, and everything was destroyed. And first time in thirty-three seasons that that's that's ever that they've had to pull them off of their tribes. So that's crazy. Yeah, they're always loving the first time in Survivor history. They love to say that. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I'm into it. I'm excited for the season. As always. As always. Yeah. I can't. How was it? Thirty-three seasons. What were they doing? Two season years. Yeah, for it's, a while? it's always been two seasons a year. Well, the first one was in two thousand. That was in the summer, and then after that, they did spring and fall, spring and fall, spring and fall. <laughs> so, and I'm hoping this is the first. I mean, hopefully, Big Brother can be the same way. Summer and fall. Summer and fall. I'm, I'm all about it. <laughs> Give me more. Yeah, so definitely 
And if you really want your reality TV coverage, listen to Rob has a podcast. Simply the best. Better than all the rest. Uh, they do a great job over there. That's probably my favorite podcast, period. And, yeah, don't listen to me for reality stuff. Go over there. That's what I'm listening to. But if you want to hear movie talk, we got you covered. Come back next episode when we review Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows and talk about our top five Ninja Turtle things in general. As always, I've been your host, Bob Fallon, and with me this evening was Joel Fallon. I don't know why I did that. Uh, (laughs) Email us. Email us, theredboxreport at yahoo.com. Follow us on Twitter at the Redbox Report. I'm personally on Twitter at the Oriole Report. I'm on Twitter at Redbox Reporter. Like us on Facebook, subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And as always, we'll see you later. Mama just hung her head and said, son...